Thank you for listening in to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. For more information, visit our website at cumberlandcornerstone.org. As we think about caring for one another, we're going to catch the context. We really want to look at verses 1 through 5 of chapter 6, but just to get the context, let's go back to chapter 5 and begin in that familiar verse, verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. A couple of years ago, probably I guess two years ago, we, we studied our way through the book of Galatians. And so we did look at this passage a couple of years ago. But we want to see it today from this one another aspect. And so maybe see it from a different perspective this morning. And and as I mentioned in our announcement time, this morning we want to wrap up this brief study, and it has been a brief study, on on the one another passages in Scripture. There's so many more out there that we could have looked at, but we try to pick the ones that are are really uh, hitting us where we live today. Uh, We looked at the spiritual wardrobe of the Christian and the idea of bearing with one another. You know, everybody wants you to bear with me, but we don't want to bear with one another. And we're going to hit that again a little bit this morning as well. Then we looked at serving one another and loving one another. And finally, last week, forgiving one another. And I know that the last couple of weeks have really struck a chord with many of you. You've talked with me about it and you, you've asked questions about loving one another. And then last week, especially forgiving one another. May I just make this comment about forgiveness? Forgiving one another is very essential for us to do and it's very difficult for us to do. That does not mean that we've accepted what the person has done or that what the person has done is okay. You know, that's not what forgiveness means. And and, uh, there are a lot more things that we could talk about that. But the Lord Jesus Christ himself says, forgive one another. And and he forgives us of our trespasses and our sins. Does that mean he thinks they're okay? No, he doesn't think they're okay. In fact, what does he say to the woman uh, caught in adultery? Go and sin no more. Uh, So forgiveness does not mean that, uh, but it is something that is very difficult for us as believers to do. This morning, we want to conclude our study by looking at the idea of caring for one another or bearing one another's burdens. And what exactly does that mean? You know, the church should be a place where we care for one another. And uh, uh, that means that not only are that caring for one another means a couple things, I think, and I want to put them up there for you. And not only means helping one another through the difficulties of life. We all have difficult times that we go through. Some of you are going through difficult times now, whether your family or health issues or employment, whatever it may be. And the church should be there to care for one another, to help one another through the difficulties of life. 
But caring for one another also means something else. And it means helping uh, one another to stay on the right course, if you will. To stay on the right path of the Christian life. Uh, the truth of the matter is we need one another to do that. We, the Bible instructs us to help one another, support one another, care for one another. Not only in the difficulties of life, not only when we're going through struggles, but when we're going through spiritual struggles as well. You know, when I get off course spiritually, when maybe I fall into sin, uh, you know, we are to come alongside of one another and help one another and support one another and love one another and care for one another and get one another back on track. We need each other in the church because there are so many times when we feel overwhelmed. You know, Leadership Magazine, and, and I know that probably most of you don't read Leadership Magazine, but it is known, has been known over the years for its very humorous little cartoons that speak right to where we live. And uh, uh, there was one uh, cartoon in uh, uh, Leadership Magazine where it pictured a, a very grim-faced preacher pausing during his sermon delivery and reading a note that had been passed to him. And by the way, you know this. If a note gets passed to the preacher during message time, it's not going to be good. All right? And, and he, this is what he read. He said, we interrupt this sermon to inform you that the fourth grade boys are now in complete control of their Sunday school class, and they are holding Mrs. Mosby hostage. We need one another, right? We need one another. Uh, we need to care and support for one another. You know, in the book of Galatians, uh, Paul has focused in on our freedoms in the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that God has created us uh, so that we might enjoy, might freely enjoy a, a new relationship with him. Sin had severed that relationship and brought us into bondage. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into our world to die on the cross in our place. Why did he have to die? Because th through death, he has set us free from the power of sin. The wages of sin is death. And Christ died in our place. Not only to free us from the bondage of sin, but also Galatians tells us to free us from the bondage of the law. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul teaches us that we have been set free from the bondage, not only of the law and not only of sin, but the bondage of our own flesh. The Holy Spirit now lives in us as believers, and we can choose to allow him to enable us to produce the fruits of righteousness, which we saw in verses 22 and 23 of chapter 5. In our freedom, our focus now should be moving away from self, as we serve one another in love, as we reckon our flesh to be dead, we allow the Holy Spirit to direct us to begin looking for ways that we can serve one another, minister to one another, care for one another. And that's what we see in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. In Galatians 6, 1 through 5, Paul uh, gives us a challenge that often creeps up in our relationship with one another with fellow believers. In chapter 5, Paul dealt with the idea of gaining victory over the works of the flesh in my own life, in my own Christian life. 
And now in verses 1 through 5 in chapter 6, he deals with how we can help someone else gain victory over the works of the flesh in their life. You see, we have to deal with our own lives, but then we are also instructed to help one another deal with problems in their life. You know, it's one thing for me to be aware that the flesh is still alive in me and working in me, right? And that I fall into sin. And that's where I want you to bear with me. But it's another thing totally when someone else uh, sins, And when someone else sins even against me, and for me to acknowledge, you know what? The flesh is still active in them as well. And and how can I help them? How can I minister to them? How can I help them bear their burden? Here's a challenge to my own spirituality, to your spirituality, as to whether we are walking in the Spirit. How do we respond? When the flesh exerts itself in someone else. You know, love is the fulfilling of the law. And here is an opportunity for love to manifest itself as we care for one another. Helping others gain victory in their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. You helping me, me helping you. How do we do that? Two things this morning. First of all, we need to bear one another's burdens. And then the second thing we're going to see is that we are to bear our own burden. And uh, so let's dig into that a little bit this morning. In verses 1 and 2, Paul speaks about a fellow believer, a Christian, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, any sin, you who are spiritual, restore them. And you do so in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Here he's talking about how we who are walking in the spirit, remember that was the the goal at the end of chapter 5, how we are walking in the spirit should respond. And sadly, we often respond in a way that to, to someone else's sin in a way that is prompted by our own flesh. And so Paul wants to deal with that here this morning. He says in verse 1 that we care for one another when we restore someone who has fallen into sin. When we restore someone who has fallen into sin. The word brethren there in verse 1 sets the tone for the entire passage. It speaks of a a family relationship. This is a brother. This is a sister in Christ. This is someone who is part of my own family, if you will. The person who has fallen into sin, the person who has given into the flesh, is my brother, is a fellow believer. And my approach to how I deal with that person should be the same pro- approach that I would take as I would dealing with a family member, someone that I love dearly, who, who is not living the way they should. How do I deal with them? How should I treat a brother? How should I treat someone in my own family who has fallen into sin? And I think the idea here is we do it with love. We deal with the issue, but we deal with it with love. But the fact of the matter is, the truth is, uh, the truth of the matter is that church is more known for shooting their wounded or kicking those who are down than, than helping them and restoring them. 
and, and we kind of struggle between this, the, this balance of, of not, you know, of, of seeing this person's sin and not condoning their sin, but also trying to help them. You know, it, it's just sometimes more easy to, to condemn them and to kick them and, uh, you know, get rid of them. But Paul here says, no, we need to help them. We need to restore them. We need to, to bring them back to where they should be in their walk with Christ. Look at verse 1. He says, those who are overtaken in a trespass. Overtaken means to be caught in a snare before one can escape. Uh, uh, either he is ensnared by a temptation and falls into sin, or the, the idea here might even be that he's caught in the very act so that there's no way to say, oh, I, I didn't do that. We know they're guilty. They've committed a trespass. A trespass here is a, is a failure, a sin, a fault, a time when the flesh has expressed itself. And again, the word overtaken kind of gives the idea of surprise. It's not like this person went out that morning with the intention of falling into sin. They were overtaken by it. They were surprised. It's not deliberate. It was not deliberate. It wasn't a deliberate act of sin. It wasn't a deliberate act of disobedience. They, they, they kind of fell into it. How do we respond to that? How do we respond when we see another believer who has fallen into sin? Well, the legalist or the Pharisee of Jesus' day or the uncaring brother will condemn the offender. And we'll glory in the fact that, you know, sometimes we get that, uh, I would never do such a thing. By the way, we need to be careful of that attitude. You know, what does the Bible say? Let him who thinks he stand take heed, lest he fall. You know, there are so many times you see someone do it and you think, man, I would never do that. Ah, don't be so sure. Don't be so sure. And Paul here says, you know, how do we respond to this? The spiritual person, the one who is allowing the Holy Spirit to be in control of every aspect of his life is the one who should restore him. And we are to care for them. We who are spiritual, we who are walking with the Lord, we who are trying to live our lives in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Paul says, be submissive to the Holy Spirit. Restore them. You see, our aim should not be to turn against that person. Our aim should not be to gossip about that person. Not, our aim should not be to promote ourselves by thinking, we're better than they are. Boy, I'd never do that. The aim is to restore them to help repair the damage, to help to lift up the one who has fallen into sin. As I'm sure you're aware, the word restore, and I know that I've shared this with you before, but the word restore is used in Matthew chapter 4, verse 21, to mend nets. But it also is used throughout the New Testament and even here to, to describe the setting of a broken 
our goal is to help the fallen believer get back on track in their walk with the Lord. It's not to talk about them. It's not to gossip about them. It's not to condemn them. It's to restore them. And we restore them by helping them to see what they're doing is wrong. Yes. But it also means encouraging them to confess their sin, to repent of that sin, to care enough about them to get involved in their life, to help them get back in step with the Lord Jesus Christ, walking in the Spirit. You see, folks, it's too easy to stand on the, the periphery, if you will, and say they, they need to get their act together and condemn them. No, no, Paul here says you come alongside them and you pick them up and you help them. And notice how it's done Verse 1, it's done in a spirit of gentleness. A spirit of gentleness. That speaks of an attitude of caring. Where the well-being of the, the fallen one is my primary concern. My desire is to care for them in love. Yes, help them see what they've done is wrong, but seeking to mend the part of the body of Christ that is out of joint. You know, when I was a little boy, I had an older sister. Mm. And I've talked about her before, and some of you think that I don't like her too much. I love her. But let me give you an idea of why we have problems. No, we don't. Actually, we have absolutely no problem. When I was a little guy, though, I was about three or four. We lived in Eckert, and we had a basement. And in the, the center of our basement was this big furnace. I'd love to go back and see the house because it probably wasn't as big as I think it was, you know, but, but the, the furnace sat right in the middle of the basement and you could run around and ride around and go around that furnace. Well, one night, one day, my sister got this grand idea that she had this little baby carriage that I was going to climb in the baby carriage and she was going to ride her tricycle around the furnace towing me in this baby carriage. I, like a dummy, or she was persuading me like Lucy, you know. No. I got in the baby carriage. We went around the furnace. Baby carriages' wheels don't spin, turn, you know. And so as we went around the first turn, the baby carriage went bang. And I dislocated my hip as a little guy. I, was, I had to be carried places for like four weeks. So I don't remember a whole lot about it. But I, I've, I know she tried to kill me that day. <laughs> you know? But what we know about those things, that, that hurts, right? And we want, when, when we have a broken bone or a dislocation, we want someone to treat it gently, gently. And, and that's what Paul here is saying. When we restore someone, do it gently with a spirit of love and gentleness that communicates, I care for this person who has fallen into sin. And unfortunately, folks, let's be honest here. What happens many times that is instead of going to help care for the one who has fallen into sin, we go to everybody else and share the sad news. Have you heard about brother so-and-so? Well, let me tell you this so you can pray more intelligently about it. And let me tell you everything they did. 
That is not a spirit of gentleness. Paul also reminds us, look at verse 1. Consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. Paul reminds us, you know what? You, you, you restore that brother in a spirit of gentleness because you need to consider yourself. Next time it might be you. Next time it might be you. Consider yourself lest you also be tempted. Look at verse 2. We care for one another, not only when we restore a brother who's fallen into sin, but we care for one another when we bear one another's burdens. And here again, Paul urges us to come alongside of the weaker brother and help them shoulder the burden with which they are struggling. They, they may have been overcome by the flesh. Maybe they weren't able to stand up against temptation. Maybe they need someone to come, come alongside and, and help them. And hey, hey man, what are you doing? Let me help you with it. Don't go there. Don't do this. Don't, you know, don't get involved there. And the idea here is not only to help them get back on their feet spiritually, but to help hold them up. It's not enough to simply help them turn from their sin and then leave them alone. They need help. You know, think about that, that player on the football field who has really hurt himself. And, you know, they, they come out, and anymore they come out with a cart and they cart him off. But remember, they used to come out with a couple big other, two other big football players, and they used to put their arms around the guy and basically carry him off the field. You don't get him back on his feet, okay, and he got a broken leg, now get going. No, let me help you. Let me walk with you. Let me care for you. We are to continually bear one another's burden. And the word burden there it refers to a, a, a load that is, that is so heavy it is impossible to lift or hard to lift and difficult to carry. It's weighing them down. They're, they're struggling. They can't get victory. We need to come alongside them and help them. And when we bear one another's burdens, notice what he says, we are fulfilling the law of Christ which is the law of love. We are to love one another. We are to bear one another's burdens. But he goes on to say that we are to bear our own burden. You know, uh, and if we're going to help other people, verses 3 through 5, we need to examine our own spiritual condition. Look at verse 3. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. Paul reminds us we're, we're no different from the one who fell. In fact, if we think we're better, if we think we're stronger in and of ourselves, we are self-deceived. You see, my flesh likes to promote, the, uh, promote myself. My flesh likes to think that I'm better than I really am, that I'm stronger than I really, that I would never again do such a thing. Think of the Pharisee and the publican. Remember in the, the parable Jesus was talking about, they went down to the temple to pray, and the Pharisees standing there, I thank you, Lord, I'm not like him. And that's sometimes how we feel when someone else has fallen. We, we think we're, we're better than they. 
stronger than they. And the flesh inflates our ego and promotes self-righteousness. But folks, the truth of the matter is the only righteousness you and I have is the righteousness of Christ. In our own self, we are without any ability to live a godly life. None of us, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, are above temptation. And so we must honestly examine ourselves to make sure that our attitudes and our spiritual life is where it needs to be before we start trying to care for another brother. In verse 4, the word examine means to test. It was used in the idea of testing metals. You know, what sort they are. You know, what is this? What is that? And when God evaluates our actions, it's going to be with an honest evaluation. It's going to be with a, you know, a perfect evaluation. We, we need to examine our own lives. We need to make sure we are where we should be. Not that any of us are perfect, but that we are where we should be before we start looking around. Remember the, the speck and the moat in the eye where the Lord Jesus Christ said, some of you are, are trying to pull a speck out of your brother's eye when you got a log in your own eye you can't even see. Examine yourself. God has given us his holy word and that should be our standard of living the word of god needs to be my measuring stick it's not how i measure up with other believers how do i line up with this you you realize folks it doesn't really matter when you say well i think the bible means this and i think that what does god say it's not how, you know, well, I don't think that passage is really, what does God say? How should I live? You know, starting next week, we're going to be looking at a, a new study on the law of God. And is it still applicable to us today? How should we, God's standard is right here. Am I living up to this standard? We justify our actions. We, we, we make our actions okay. We, we say, oh, well, I think that this, no, what does God say? And if we are found to be in line with what the word of God says, then we have cause for rejoicing. Then we can help one another. But don't allow your rejoicing, Paul says, to come at the expense of another brother. I think I'm glad I'm not like him. If there's cause for rejoicing, let it be because your life is becoming more like Jesus Christ. More like what you find in God's word. That's the only measuring stick that really matters. Then look at verse 5 as we close. He says, each one of us shall bear his own load. First of all, I want you to know there's no contradiction between verses 2 and 5. Verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens. And then in verse 5, he says, well, bear your own load. Uh, There are different Greek words there, both translated burden in English but the, the word burden in verse 2, as I already told you, spoke of a heavy load that was, that was requiring assistance in lifting and assistance in carrying, something too difficult for us. The, the word burden in, in verse 5 uh, speaks of a pack that was usually uh, carried by a soldier, 
on the march. And, and the idea was that's his personal pact. That's his personal responsibility. And, and commentators appear to be almost unanimously in agreement that this is a reference to the judgment seat of Christ when each one of us will stand before the Lord and be held responsible for our own life and for our own work. Have we been faithful in carrying about the responsibilities that God has given to us? God's not going to compare what I've done with what others have done. He's going to say, this is what I gave you to do, David. I will be held accountable for how I shouldered my own responsibility. So we do need to help one another bear the heavy burdens of life, the, the difficulties in their spiritual life. But there are personal responsibilities that each one of us must bear for ourselves. You know, we may try to make ourselves look better in light of the weakness of other people. But any evaluation like that is meaningless and self-serving. And it will not stand up when we stand before the Lord. At that time, each one of us, as we stand before the Lord, will be evaluated as how we have lived our own life how we've carried out our work, how we've fulfilled the responsibilities God gave us to do. But as we go through the Christian life, one of the things that we are to do is to care for one another, to bear the burdens of those who are struggling, those who are weak. Wow, we got we to close. How do we do that? How are you doing? How do we help those who are struggling? We do it in a spirit of gentleness, in a spirit of love. It doesn't mean that we don't point out the fact that they've sinned, but we do it in a gentle way. With the goal always of being what? Restoration. Restoration. You know, folks, even when we get into such difficult things as church discipline, something none of us like to get involved in, but even when the sin is so serious, it becomes church dis discipline. The ultimate goal of church discipline is what? Restoration. Restoration. How are we helping one another live the Christian life? Thank you for listening. For more information on our church located in Cumberland, Maryland, please go to cumberlandcornerstone.org.